Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors series loss to the Lakers in the playoffs, and we're also going to talk about their off-season plans. But before we actually talk about any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. The Betting Barrier Podcast presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, UFC, and boxing. They have it all. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Better Warrior Podcast. For when I'm break, we previewed what we are going to do for this week's show. Once again, talk about the Warriors and how they are now limited from the playoffs. And then we're going to talk about what they might be able to do to salvage the overall roster in the offseason. But do want to recap how we did on last week's show. Didn't do well, unfortunately. We initially had the Lakers in six when the series started, which was right. However, we did cave after game five, and we kind of leaned to Golden State to sneak away with a potential series win. Didn't happen. Golden State got buried in game six. Game was really over when Reeves hit the half-court shot to end the first half, but the Lakers won the game by 21, and the Warriors really couldn't shoot. They scored 101 points, shot below 38% from the floor, shot roughly 27% from three, And that was really just the story. Curry from three-point land wasn't great as he went four for 14. Not going to blame Curry, though. He went 11 for 28 at 32 points. Uh, Besides him and DiVincenzo, nobody else on the team had more than nine points. Uh, All the other starters basically abandoned Steph. Clay went three for 19 and two for 12 from three. Draymond wasn't great either. He had nine points, nine rebounds, four of eight from the floor. And Wiggins with the broken ribs didn't look good at all. Two for eight from the floor for six points with O of three shooting from three. I'm not going to blame Wiggins. He was guarding LeBron. He had a broken rib. LeBron torched him. It happens. I'm not going to fully roast Wiggins for that. So I'll give Wiggins a pass. And Gary Payton in the second. We know he's there for defensive purposes. He only played 10 minutes. I'm not going to roast him either. Looney was fine. He had nine points, 18 rebounds in 26 minutes. And DiVincenzo once again was good, who had 16 points, six of 12 shooting. Pool was brutal. He had seven points on three of 10 shooting. And that was basically it. So to go through the overall series, the initial reason why I picked the Lakers in six, I just had so much concern for the Warriors' depth and I had so much concern about their lack of scoring options behind Curry, and that was really the issue throughout the series. I basically dared Clay Thompson to make a bunch of shots to beat the Lakers, and that didn't happen. In fact, Clay was useless for the most part for the entire series, and I'm going to mention it in a second when we get into the offseason planning, but damn, Clay was bad. I- I've been roasting him for months on this show. 
and I'm sure some of you listening kind of push back, at least in your own mind, about how I'm roasting a just an overall team legend, future Hall of Famer, top five shooter in the history of the sport. I get it. I also know he had some serious leg injuries, and it might sound harsh that I'm holding him to a pretty high standard post-injury when a lot of players will never really regain their old form when they return from injury, but I have to because they're paying him roughly $40 million. And if you want to make the case that the Warriors, who once again won the title last year with Clay having a couple of good moments here and there, really wasn't great last year either. But the point is, Clay, when you're getting paid that much money and when you have been such a face of the team, and also when you talk a lot of trash and you have the four-finger, I'd say, gesture, every time somebody tells you that you're trash or somebody trash talks you and your response is, well, point to the rings. At some point, you have to not be bad. And Clay was really, really bad. Now, he was good in game two. In fact, he was really good in game two. He had 30 points. But to go through the other points or the other uh, performances in the series, he was a massive liability. Game one, good. He had 25 points took 25 shots. It was really a tale of two halves. He was really good in the first half, and he couldn't hit a shot to save his life in the second half. Very good in game two. Went 8 of 11 for th from three, 11 of 18 from the floor, 30 points. And after that, he fell off a cliff. So to go through the numbers here in game three, five for 14 for 15 points. Game five, three for 11, which is 27.3% shooting, nine points. 3-for-12 shooting in Game 5, 2-of-6 from 3, 10 points. And 3-for-19, 2-for-11 from 3, for 8 points in Game 6. So Clay scored less than 11 points in each of the last three games. And the one game he scored 9 in back in Game 4, a reminder, he played 41 minutes. He took those two really brutal long-distance 35-footers in the final couple minutes of regulation, which basically blew the game for Golden State. And on top of that, they only lost by three. So Clay gives you a mediocre showing in game four. You probably win that game, and you arguably win the series. But Clay has been so bad for so long, and people keep pretending that he's still got a lot in the tank because he occasionally has a great game. And yes, I know we had three straight good games against the Kings in that first round series, scoring 26, 25, and 22. But he also went four of 19 from, th from the floor in game seven, two for 10 from three. And elimination game-wise, Clay was brutal in all four elimination games, or at least the last three. He went eight for 20 in game six against the Kings. Uh, actually, it wasn't even an elimination game. I take it back. So... Yeah, he was really, really bad in the three elimination games, or the three uh, games that could have ended the series, either in terms of just winning a series or potentially facing elimination. Clay was so underwhelming, especially in that Lakers series. And the quotes beforehand, basically saying, I've waited my whole life for this moment, just to lay an egg in three straight games, basically four straight games. It was sad. It was incredibly sad. And there was no self-awareness. Clay once again took 19 shots in game seven, in game six, when he couldn't shoot for the previous three games. So I have a lot of issues with Clay. I've mentioned them several times on the show, and it's not like I'm reaching a boiling point. I just have to point out that when you have to acknowledge that nobody else on the team showed up offensively to support Curry, 
down the stretch, you have to point to his quote-unquote splash brother who's getting paid 40-plus million dollars a year who couldn't shoot in the majority of the playoffs. And on top of that, there's also some concerns about what his role is on the team moving forward because the Warriors, if you remember, gave him a massive contract extension as a courtesy after he got injured because they thought it was the right thing to do. And yes, they did win a title last year. It might have been in spite of him. I don't think he was very good, once again, in that in that overall NBA Finals. And I got to at least talk about it because I know that's kind of his nickname and what he's known for. Game 6 Clay is such a fake narrative, and it's insane how often people bring it up. He was great in Game 6 against Oklahoma City. He was very good in Game 6 against Toronto before he got injured. I get it. You have to look at how long ago that was. Clay has been in several Game 7s since then, and he's been mostly bad. I get it. Game 6 Clay is fun. That was pre-injury. Post-injury, he has not been very good in Game 7s, and that, I'd say, nickname needs to be put to bed. But to go through the rest of the roster, once again, I'll give Wiggins a pass. Draymond had some good moments. He was great in Game 5. He's still not aggressive enough offensively, and he barely looks towards the rim. And he had some weird moments with LeBron after the game, giving him a bunch of hugs, and some people thought he wasn't giving it his full effort, or at least his full intensity. I really didn't see Draymond trash-talking that much, or at least trying to get under AD's skin, which I thought was annoying, because it is definitely one of Draymond's best skill sets. Whether you like him or not, he is a very good instigator, and he's very good at picking on some weak-minded players on the other team. And he didn't even mess with AD at any point in the series, which I thought was very, very bizarre. But anyway, Draymond was okay, kind of up and down. DiVincenzo, I thought, was very good. So shout out to him. I thought that he gave the Warriors a nice boost off the bench. The problem is he's going to be a free agent, and I'm not sure Golden State could bring him back because DiVincenzo can opt out during the offseason. And I'm assuming he will get paid because he is a good role player, but he's a player option for $4.7 million, give or take. Good luck with that one. He's 100% leaving, and I don't think Golden State could bring him back. So he's gone, and he was one of your best players in the series. Looney's going to stay around, even though he's really no offensive talent, and you could argue that he shouldn't be on the floor against teams that play relatively quickly because he's not the greatest, I don't want to say athlete, but he has a hard time of switching out on the perimeter. He's better at it than other centers, but he has such a limited offensive talent that he's kind of demoted to being a bench center no matter what, and he gives you no spacing. So Looney's kind of in an interesting spot in the current NBA landscape. They're going to keep him, though, because of how good he is on the board. So Looney, I'm not going to roast. I was a fan of his effort, and he definitely is a huge part of the Warriors' identity and overall toughness. But to go through the rest of the roster, if I'm going to roast Clay, I'm sure a lot of you are waiting for it. I have to roast Jordan Poole, who was so bad the entire playoffs. I know it was hard on Clay. At least Clay had some good games in there. Poole had game one against the Lakers, which he punted, taking that 30-footer. And after that shot, he basically checked out the rest of the series. So to go through the series against the Lakers. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go through the series against the Kings. He had 17 points in game one, four points in game two, 16 points in game three, 22 points in game four. That's a solid first four games. After that point, he became borderline unplayable. He had 10 points in game five, 
seven points in game six, eight points in game seven. Against the Lakers, he had 21 points in game one, solid showing, then once again took the really dumb three-pointer to officially put the nail in the coffin in Golden State's comeback. So even though he played well, was arguably the reason why they lost the game. Game two, six points. Game three, five points. Game four, zero. Game five, 11. And game six, seven. In the entire series, he shot 34.5% from the floor, 25% from three. He was awful. Not to mention the fact he couldn't guard anybody and he kept fouling. At this point, you got to wonder what Golden State's going to do with him because Draymond can't stand him. Draymond not only punched him during the offseason, but he also was doing his press, his uh, podcast, I should say. And he was talking about, I believe it was before game five, which Golden State won. He said he was expecting a lot of players to step up. He thought Clay would shoot better. He thought Curry would play better, Wiggins, etc. He mentioned a bunch of guys who he had faith in to improve. And he didn't mention Jordan Poole. And I don't think that was a coincidence. It seemed like Poole was kind of on his own schedule the entire series. He was complaining a lot about his role. He had really awful body language. And Draymond, you can tell, cannot stand him. And Draymond, I'm assuming, is going to be with this team moving forward. He's technically a free agent because he's going to opt out. But I expect Golden State to bring him back. The question is, what do you do with Jordan Poole? Because Poole signed a massive extension, which hasn't even kicked in yet. So going through his contract, he's for the next couple of years, he's getting paid $27 million next year, $29 million in a year from now, $31 million two years from now, and $34 million three years from now. And based on the overall cap hit, it's a net cap hit of roughly $120 million. So you can't keep him. Like, I don't, I don't think you can keep Poole on this team. I know he had moments last year in the playoffs, really mostly against Denver. I don't think he was great in the other series. He had a moment or two against Boston in the finals, but not much. I just think he's a low IQ basketball player. I think he's a classic high volume, low basketball IQ guy. You can kind of group him with the likes of Olenek. Or, uh, not sorry, not Olenek, Ubre. Sorry, you can kind of group him with Ubre and with like a D'Angelo Russell. And I'm mentioning those two guys because they did play for a little while in Golden State before Golden State shipped them out of town. Sorry for the, um, yeah, the accidental shade there at Kelly Olenek. I didn't mean Olenek. I meant Ubre. They're just high-volume shot chuckers, and that's kind of what I see from Poole. Does he play defense? No. Does he have value without shooting? Not really. Does he make good decisions with the basketball? No. So I don't think he can really play on Golden State. Now, I do think he has a spot on a team, I could see him playing on Houston, one of those teams that kind of let the young players run wild, and no matter how dumb, how many dumb decisions they make, they just enable them to get the ball more and to do more stuff. I can see him on Charlotte, for example. Charlotte's had that issue for years. But for Golden State, a team that prides itself on playing smart team basketball that is once again trying to potentially steal another title before Curry's prime is over, Poole has no fit on this roster, and I think Golden State's going to get rid of him. Now, they're going to need some help to get a guy who could give them a spark off the bench, who's also going to play high IQ basketball and at least occasionally guard somebody. But for the sake of the future of Golden State, I don't think Poole's in their plans. 
and I think Poole's probably going to be traded during the offseason because Golden State cannot keep him. And that contract, once again, is brutal. They just got him an extension. It didn't kick in yet. He has four years with no option. That's a mess. I think Golden State trades him. They probably have to attach a pick for it, and we'll see what they get. But damn, that's a bad contract. So Poole, I think, is gone. DiVincenzo is going to be gone. Unless they trade Poole and maybe redistribute the money and bring DiVincenzo back. I doubt it, but at least I got to bring it up. Besides that, Draymond's going to have to get a new contract, and I'm not sure what he's going to be worth at this stage in his career. He's 33, and his game is involved mostly with athleticism, so I'm not sure how much longer he has anyway. Wiggins is fine. They're going to keep Wiggins. That's I'm not going to touch Wiggins. That's fine. Clay is the story of what you got to do, because Clay is a guy who has one year left, at roughly $43 million, which is brutal, but it is the final year of a contract. So there is some trade value because it isn't expiring. So one team would acquire him just for the sake of picking up cap room during next offseason. But they're having some discussions about Golden State and Clay renegotiating a contract extension uh, with some potential team-friendly clauses in there, which they're going to need worst-case scenario. Personally, I would let Clay walk. I don't think he's very good anymore, but I think Golden State's going to keep him. I think there is some loyalty to their brand, and I do think that Golden State reached an unwritten agreement with Clay when they gave him the massive contract after the knee injury. They basically said, We're going to scratch your back now. You're going to scratch our back later. I do expect Clay to give them a pretty generous team friendly deal, all things being considered. But I have to point out, once again, it's $43 million. That's his projected overall uh, cap hit for the year, which is a catastrophe. But I think he's going to take less money. I think Clay takes around 20, if I had to guess, for maybe a two- or a three-year deal. But once again, Clay cannot be your second-best offensive player or your second option on an offense. I think he's a third option. He might be a sixth man at this point. I think it's really that stage of his career where you know Clay, whether he's feeling it or not, He's going to chuck up shots. And if he doesn't hit his shots, he's a complete liability because with the injuries and with his current age, he cannot guard people the way that he used to be able to. And the Lakers exploited that all series long. So with Clay not being able to guard and not being as consistent with his shooting as he has been in years past, I know he's 33, but with the knee injuries, I don't think he's playing as if he's 33. I think that he's playing like a guy who is fighting to try to remain a key piece of a title team. And to be honest, I don't think he is a key piece of a title team. So I would get rid of him. They're not going to. They're going to keep him around. But he should, or he better, I'll put it that way, he better take a massive contract, I'd say, deduction in terms of salary. And I think that he better do right for Golden State. Because if not, Golden State should get rid of him. But anyway... Uh, moving on to the rest of the roster, it's really a question of how you want to break up the bench because I mentioned DiVincenzo is going to be gone. They barely use Baldwin, who didn't even play. Moody was fine. I think Moody can have a decent role here with this team. So Moody's going to stay. Kaminga, I don't even know about Kaminga. He barely played in the entire playoffs, and Kerr just doesn't seem to like him because defensively, Kaminga leaves a lot to be desired. He's 20. His contract expires in 2025. I think they probably trade Kaminga 
for a veteran, I don't think he's got a role on this team. And they shipped off Wiseman because he was going to be due a decent contract in the future. And Kerr really didn't like playing him. I do think that the Warriors will do the same thing with Kaminga. I think they're going to ship him. I don't think he's got a role in this team. Golden State kind of has to go all in for the win now push because Curry is at 35. I know he was insane this year, but you can't keep putting this much pressure and strain on Steph's body by having nobody else who can really step up offensively. So Golden State, despite making a decent run to the second round this year, they really need to revamp the entire roster. And the problem is there really aren't many good free agents available, and that's going to be a problem. But to go through the main guys, for example, in the free agency market, it's not good. You're looking at the likes of Westbrook and Harden and maybe Kyrie and like Porzingis and Middleton in theory. I mean, there's some bird rights there with with, uh, Milwaukee, but just by unrestricted, like Vucevic, D'Angelo Russell, Harrison, you bring Harrison Barnes back, Jeremy Gr- There's really not many great free agents. It's a very underwhelming free agent class. Julius Randle, except you can throw out a bunch of names, but free agency is not going to save you this offseason. So Golden State's going to have to get very, very creative. There's rumors Bob Myers might be out because he's still waiting for a contract extension. So there is some turmoil with the front office. We'll see what happens. But Golden State, when your record is that bad on the road, I wasn't going to take you seriously as a title contender. They did beat Sacramento. I thought they would beat them in six. It was mostly because I thought the Kings were too inexperienced, and I thought eventually they would, I'd say, fall apart in the moment. And unfortunately for them, Fox broke a finger, and they no-showed the second half of Game 7. So they did end up blinking, but Golden State really, really was kind of fortunate to face off against Sacramento, who plays a very similar style to the way that they do. With a team like the Lakers, with that much front court depth, and with that overall depth with the bench as well, Golden State's bench got smacked the entire series, and they really have to adjust. But Clay and Poole are the main question marks with this team. I'm assuming Draymond's going to be back. It does seem like Draymond will be the main priority for this team. And even if you don't like Draymond, you kind of have to keep him. Because with Golden State playing a small ball lineup with so many three-point shooters, Draymond is really the perfect small ball center who can play great defense against guys that are bigger than him. And he can also facilitate and drive and really break apart a defense by using his ability to dribble to really push the pace and to create holes in defenses. And his basketball IQ is also through the roof. So Draymond's going to stay. I'd be shocked if he was let go. Clay's probably going to stay. I would let him go. And personally, I would be shocked if Jordan Poole was still on the team next year. Kaminga might be gone too. But there's a lot for the Golden State to do. We'll see what happens. As for next week, though, we will be moving over to baseball. To talk about the Giants. Once again, not covering the athletics. That team's a joke. So we'll go through the Giants. We'll go through the weekly schedule stuff like we did last year. But this was the bl- the last basketball episode for a while. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.